Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. One thing about when you're managing multi-location uh, operations, whether you're in restaurants or they're medical, banking, legal, you know, chiropractic, gyms, it doesn't matter, um, is that very often when you're delivering services at the location level, um, that there isn't just one lever you can pull to increase sales, right? Uh, to make customers happier, to uh, increase profitability. Oftentimes, it's not one lever, it's 30,000 little levers that all have to be pulled. Not, none of them are going to sink you, but if enough of those levers aren't pulled correctly, your customers will have a bad experience with your business, your customer satisfaction will be down, and your sales and profits will follow. And that's what we do at Ops Analytica. We help you manage pulling all 30,000 little levers right in the right order, and uh and then at the same time, we're providing you with data, amazing visibility into uh, what levers aren't getting pulled, where you have issues, so you can figure out what the heck's going on and fix them. And then you move on. And then every time you correct an issue, you make your employees happier, you make it your their jobs easier, you make your customers happier, and your sales and profits will follow. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. Hey there, Order Up Show podcast listeners. I got to get a new intro because I say that every single time. This is Tommy, your host, and I am here with another interview. I'm so excited to welcome Elizabeth Baxter to the show. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, thank you. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time, and I'm very excited that we were able to get it scheduled. Well, me as well. It's nice to be here and get to talk to you. Oh, well, this is a hard-hitting journalistic program. It's very organized and very uh, <laughs> awesome. So it's very, yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, cool. So here's the deal, Elizabeth. We ask the same five questions every time. Um, my fr- the first question is my favorite because it's where we get to learn a lot about you. So I'm going to hit you with it right now. Explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job in the industry to how you got here. Well, it's quite the story. So I'm Elizabeth Baxter. I'm the chief people officer for Torchy's Tacos. Um, Chief people officer is kind of a newer title for chief HR officer. Uh, So basically, I'm over the entire HR function for Torchy's Tacos. And we're 89 locations now. So growing every day. Um, How did I get here? God, there's there's like hours and hours of content (laughs) around that. Uh, But high level... My very first job, if you started there, um, you would love it. I worked at Victoria's Secret and I folded panties. Nice. And um, <laughs> I will tell you, I did so much, but I used to dream about it in my sleep, about folding underwear on tables. Um, so I've come a long ways, I would say, from that first job. Uh, I will tell you that first job was at, at 16. Uh, my parents were both entrepreneurs. So before 16, I was possibly illegally working for them um, and doing things as, as young as I can remember and, and being at, you know, my dad's business on the weekends and uh, my mom's business, weekends, holidays, all of the above. So I feel like I kind of have always been working, but that official job was at Victoria's Secret and I worked there through college. So uh, went to college, uh, have a degree in advertising, uh, marketing and PR uh, grew up in Wichita, Kansas, a very small town, Kansas girl. Wichita is one of those towns where people don't leave. 
And I still have friends from high school and college that I've had friends, you know, for almost 30 years and they're still in Wichita, if that tells you anything. So it's definitely that town you stay in and, and you grow old together. So I'm kind of the oddball, odd man out. Um, but I will tell you at a very young age, like love to travel, love to try new things, love to work. Uh, after Victoria's Secret, you know, I did a, a bunch of different retail jobs during college. And when I graduated, my first big job, aside from working for my mom's business and franchise where she sold clothes for a while, was Target. Uh, so that mm. was my first big box job. Uh, worked out in the stores. And I remember like those days where I'd work like 10, 12 hour shifts and my feet would hurt, my legs would hurt. And there, there wasn't a pair of shoes comfortable enough because yeah. if you think about a box that big and you're walking it all day long, you're exhausted, you know, every bone in your body, body hurts. So I, I still have respect for those people that are in those stores. Uh, and what's funny, a couple years ago, I went home and I went to a Target store and still saw some of the same managers working that wow. job and thought, God, you know, like one, I'm glad I got away from it. <laughs> um, but two, you have to have respect because that's one of those jobs that literally, you know, your whole body is affected, right? Yeah. It's like cooking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you got, you got to keep respect for those jobs, especially now being over HR and people, you, you have to respect those jobs. Cause we've got those same jobs in our stores, you know, the line cooks and the fry cooks and they're on their feet and they're busting their ass to make damn good food. And, you know, you have to respect those jobs because those are the jobs that make up torches and make, you know, our team great. So after target, um, I actually owned my own clothing franchise for a while called Hot Babes and Rockin' Mamas in Dallas. And okay. for a couple of years, you know, I did pop-up shops before pop-up shops were even a thing and made really great money. And um, again, just really like hard back-breaking work. And I kept thinking there's got to be smarter work I can do where I still am around people and can develop people. Uh and through some personal strife and kind of an unexpected, you know, thing with a divorce, I ended up like completely changing careers and taking a job at Walmart, uh, you know, biggest company in the world and really loved it. Uh, and I'll tell you, that's the job that I left to come here at Torchies. But uh, it's almost seven years at Walmart. I had six different jobs, got promoted six different times, um, and it was all in the HR people space. I learned a lot. You know, I did HR investigations for the largest company in the world. So there's hours of stories there too. Oh, I'm sure. Um, you know, that was a hard job because what that job taught me was you have to come with a fresh perspective every day, you know, because 90% of the, of the time were, were managers most mostly treating people right. Yes, they were. But were mistakes being made? Yes, they also were. And, you know, I had this awesome job where I could, I could make wrongs right. Um, and I think that's really where I kind of got addicted to this idea of helping people. It's like I had this ability to fix the mistakes or to change people's lives or to give them hope again, or to give them their job back again. And so even though it was one of the hardest jobs I ever had, cause you had to have a fresh perspective, it kind of also like, I think built that love for, for making a difference in people's lives. And to me, that's really what being chief people officer today is about is having the moments where I can influence and where I can develop others and give people opportunities where maybe they haven't had them before. So 
did a lot of other jobs um, for the largest company in the world, but, and learned a lot of things, but then thought I was at this really happy place in my life and uh, had a young, you know, very young child at the time and got recruited at Torchies. And I had just gotten this really big promotion and they'd given me a job where I was over the 13 companies within Walmart. Um, and I was doing management performance, which nobody had ever done it across the 13 companies. And so it was a really big, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? And I was pretty new in it and had the recruiting firm reach out and say like, hey, there's this little taco company. And if you'll <laughs> sign this NDA, you know, would you be interested in talking to them? And and to be honest, Tommy, I wasn't really sure because I was like, I'm at the largest company in the world and they just gave me this new job and, and I want to slay it and I want to, you know, figure this out. But I'll tell you, you know, my brother kind of said, are you crazy? Like one, it's Torchies. And what's ironic is the summer before um, I had gone and visited my brother in Colorado and he was like, let me take you to my favorite taco joint. And nice. so, you know, my brother and I had been eating Kansas tacos is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> not, not Tex-Mex, not these amazing fusion tacos that we make from scratch. You know, we were eating like beef tacos that my mom made and thought that was legit. Um, so he takes me to this taco shop and he's telling me the story. He's like, I remember when this store opened and, and it was a blizzard out and the line was around the block. And I was like, what? These tacos can't be worth a freaking blizzard. Yeah. Uh, so we waited in line uh, and we literally, in my brother's best fashion, we got way too much food, but he was like, you got to try a bite of this taco and this taco and this taco. You got to try the queso and oh my gosh, you got to even try their Mexican sodas. Like they're just amazing. And so we have this buffet of food in front of us. And, and I was like, God, this food is really good. And, and I actually remember, I swear, like in a lot of our stores, the sign says damn good on, on the, the back and light yep. it up. And, and I was like, that's why the wall says damn good. These tacos are damn good. Um, so I, so cut to, you know, Hey, you know, he's like, are you freaking crazy? Like, of course you're going to interview for this job. Cause one, you're not going to be chief people officer at Walmart. Um, and two, it's torchies, like do it for me. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of went into the interview and was like, I'm just going to use this as a good experience because, you know, even the recruiting team at the time had kind of prepped me and said, like, you know, we've we've been interviewing people for Torchies for six months every Friday and we've sent him some really tenured people and nobody's, you know, nobody's cutting the mark. Nobody's making the mark. And so we don't really know what they're looking for, but we find your, in, you know, your resume interesting and. And you don't come from a restaurant background, but, you know, we, we think you could be an interesting option. So, you know, I went in it with like, you know, there's no way that I'm going to get this job. But again, great experience. At some point I can say, you know, at one point somebody thought enough of me uh, to interview me for the officer role. And, and that's kind of how I went into it. But I will tell you, like I flew into Austin. I worked on stuff for the CEO of Walmart that very morning in my hotel room. That's how focused I was on this interview. And I went in and just kind of was myself. It, and I'll tell you like 30 minutes in talking to the CEO, his name is GJ Hart. We just had this, you know, really amazing, natural, real conversation. And he wanted to know about me, not about my resume, you know, not about what made me thinking that I deserve this job. It was just us talking about life and, 
and, and what, how we believed in people and, and, you know, the things that were important to me. And early on, he was like, you know, if you're open to it, I, I want to move your, your uh, flight back. And I want you to talk to more people. Cause I think you're our person. I think, I think you're who I've been looking for, for half a year now. Wow. And I tell you that story because that's kind of, I'll, I'll tell you, August is my third year now in this role. And I always say that it's my Cinderella story, which, you know, three years ago, and I've been like, oh my gosh, I'm not telling some stupid thing that I, it's a Cinderella story. Uh, but it kind of has been. I mean, I work for a company that, you know, it starts and ends with the people. And, you know, I look back at, you know, the largest company in the world and other companies I've worked for. And, you know, they had to put all these programs in place so that we could be diverse or we could believe in our people or we could shout our core values. And what's great is I see that happening. Um, and I'm the one that gets to help influence that. And I'm the one that gets to help, you know, evolve benefits and, and make people's lives better. I'm the one that gets to show opportunity and give opportunity in new roles. And, you know, we're opening a store. It feels like almost every day. Uh, sure. But, you know, just knowing that like, more people are exposed to our great and damn good food and more people are exposed to our culture and what makes us special. Um, and so, you know, being the chief people officer right now, you know, God, there's just nothing better. I mean, I'm uh, truly blessed and, and just excited to still be in this role three years later and, and still being able to change people and help people's lives. Oh, that's so, awesome. Okay. Little, so that's on some questions. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number one, do you find folding clothes like very uh, calming or is it like, does it make you cringe? <laughs> so what's funny is I hate laundry and I hate folding clothes, but what it's transformed into is uh, anyone that knows me really well knows I, like my pack pantry and my refrigerator are immaculate. Um, um, and so what I find calming at the end of the day is organizing my pantry and my refrigerator. Um, and so everything has a place and a bin and a label. And that's hilarious. what's funny so is my, well, my family is like, this is crazy. Like th this is stressful. And I'm like, you know what, this is my time to unwind and think about my day and think about how to do things different in the next day. So it helps me think it's kind of like that mindless activity that, that gets me out of my head in a good way. Yeah, so your OCD transferred basically from basically. clothing to the fridge, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, I can dig that. Yeah, good for you. Um, you just got to keep it under check, right? It's no big deal. Totally. Uh, second question is, because this has been the big theme on the podcast for probably the last 10 or 15 interviews is, are you guys really struggling to find people to work at Torchies right now, like uh, the rest of the industry? Or... Is it because you do make such great tacos and you have such a great culture um, that maybe that's not as bad for you guys? So I love that you're asking me this because I did, you know, just had my touch base with my uh, director over hiring and recruiting. And, and as you know, obviously you're asking the question, the landscape out there for hiring is crazy, right? I mean, yeah. it's not a Torchies thing. It's not a Wendy's thing. It's not an anybody thing. It's an everybody thing. Yeah, And, you know, people are pickier than ever about where they work. Um, they, for some reason, don't think they need the money to live anymore. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> lots of things that influence that. Uh, 
But I do think one of them is culture. I do think perks are another thing. And so what I will tell you, literally just having gotten this update is over the last six weeks, our hiring numbers have gone up every week. So I'm proud wow. of that. But I will tell you, we're, we're really focused on it um, in several different areas. And I'll go over that with you. But I think a lot of it speaks to our culture. You know, one of the things that we do is obviously we really promote having our internal team bring on new team members um, and they get bonus awards through that and recognition. Ah. So that's one thing, but also, you know, the perks of like getting free tacos while they work. Like literally we have stories of people out there every day that are like, you know what? I need to work here just so I can get some free tacos. And some of our best team members has been those people that like didn't necessarily need the job, but they wanted free tacos, you know? And, sure. and so those are like the real people that are out there, like talking to the people and talking about the damn good food and, and making memories. Um, you know, some of the, those are some of our best stories. The other thing though, is honestly, we know too, like a lot of it's technology driven, like things need to be easy. Hiring needs to be simpler than ever. And so, you know, we, we've invested in one click buttons to make hiring better than ever. And, and we're trying new ways to advertise. I will tell you, I actually got a text today from my hiring team. that's like, look at all these things going out there. So I won't tell you who it is, but there's a competitor out there that literally says free ice cream for every application. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, man, people are getting desperate if they're going to give a free ice cream for every application, you know? So I was joking. I'm like, maybe we give a free queso with every interview. If you're lucky enough to interview with us, you know, because sure. we only want the best people and the right people for the right job at the right time. And that's something that we really preach. And, and also that like, we're giving people one opportunity internally first, um, sure. So that means posting, you know, opportunity first internally, but secondarily, like that when we bring on somebody, it's because culturally they're right for us. They're real. They're transparent. They live our torch values, uh, which is tenacity, originality, respect, and honor. Um, and, you know, that's about being your real self. Like that's where real memories and real people become diehard fans, not customers of torches is because they have a real person serving a damn good taco and they care about, you know what? Hey, we messed your taco up. Let's fix it. Or let's give you a taco for free. Or, you know, Hey, I made you try something that you wouldn't have tried. Or I told you we have a secret menu cause you didn't know that. So it's just about being real with people and, and having that connection. And, and those are the kinds of people that we're looking for. So I'll tell you back to your question is, it's a problem, but I think that my team's being really savvy and we're trying to keep things very simple and we're trying to hire the right people, not just people. And that shows in our turnover results, our turnovers lower than it's ever been um, quarter after quarter, year after year. And, you know, that's really something to say as we're growing restaurants and opening them, what it feels like every other day. So we're, we're sure. doing good things. How many interviews does someone go through to get a job like making tacos? So it depends on the level, to be honest, because you're looking for different skill sets. But sure. definitely at the hourly level, uh, we at least interview three people for every role and pick the best person. Uh, we may, we've, we've done a lot of things with our interviewing to make sure that we're asking the right questions about the role they're interested in. And then even making sure, like, do they fit, fit on a values-based level? 
Sure. Do they make connection with the manager? And so, you know, sometimes it's as easy as a screening and an, an in-person interview. We try to make it easy, um, but we also, again, want to make sure that we're taking the time to get the fit right. Okay. Do you do any personality screening? Or we do you do. have specific questions that you just ask and try to hear what the answer is? We have a mix of both. So we used to, you know, be smaller and, and it was based on all gut. Well, obviously not every manager's got great gut in hiring. And so sure. we have transitioned to a more tech tech savvy um, application that also asks questions to make sure, again, they're values-based driven and that they're applying for the right job. So, you know, are they customer facing? Are they more food focused? What's sure. the best role for them? And so we ask questions that get both sides. So what's the right job for you? And are you right for Torchies? Oh, cool. All right. Awesome. Um, I guess I'm, I, I don't have any other questions on number one. So let's move to number two. Okay. What is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? Oh gosh, there's like, I saw that you might be asking this question. I'm like, God, there's so many things that we could talk about. So if you're okay, I'm going to mention a couple things, if that's fine. I know. Uh, I can't allow you no, to do that. Okay. I have to just go to no. one. No, I'm just kidding. Go with your heart. I'm, I'm the rogue. <laughs> I'm going to be your rogue interview. Um, Sounds good. Well, one, one of the things this last year I've got to talk about is, you know, three years in, when I first came, there wasn't much for management training. And so this last year during COVID, one of the things I'm really proud of is, is during the scary time where we could have laid people off, we could have paused all work. We actually leveraged that downtime and completely redid all of our station training and our management training. And so now sure. we have a brand new training program out there at every level from hourly all the way to management that says, if you're a cashier, here's the training for you. If you're a line cook, here's the things we need to teach you. So that's a huge one and one that we're really proud of. And I, I think that that goes back to our turnover being lower than ever because it's about having the right training for the person and the role, which makes it complicated because sometimes you bring people on in a role and they've had 20 years. Well, they don't need the same training that somebody started at the same time and they have no experience, right? And so we've really built this program after the uh, out of the last two years, honestly, that really customizes it to each person. And we're seeing great results. Um, one of the things though, that we're working on right now, that's huge is, is really making sure that we're making a huge investment in our community. So not only at the store level, what are we doing from a community standpoint, but also at a company level, we've been really invested this last year with Make-A-Wish is our first. So, you know, Make-A-Wish with same with COVID, you know, all, they had all these donors and, and there's still kids that have, you know, life altering diseases that want wishes granted. And, and what's nice about Torchies is Make-A-Wish was always a partner with them from day one. And so not only did we not back out of Make-A-Wish when times are rough, but we continue to donate. We changed our kid menu and they get a proceed of our kids menu. Um, and then we also do a taco of the month, Tommy, and they get proceeds for that too. And wow. so this, this last year, we've given them almost a million dollars or over a wow. million dollars, I tell you. And so we kind of transformed into this, you know, we dug in instead of backing out uh, when things were scary and changing it. And we've been able to to grant a lot of wishes to kids. And so I love that we're doing that for the community. And I think that's really resounding. 
The other thing that we've really reinvested in is something called the Phoenix House. So that is, uh, they have drug rehabilitation and it's for 13 to 18, um, all the way up to, I believe, you know, mid twenties. And, and so we're reinvesting with them. Um, but it's something that Mike, our original founder, always invested in Make-A-Wish, MD Anderson and Phoenix House. Um, this last year, you know, we knew we'd been doing a lot with Phoenix House, but we wanted to do more. And so now we're in the talks of, you know, how here at locally in Austin, does the headquarters, our support center here really reinvest in the community? Well, we want to do that with Phoenix House. And so we're, we're partnering with them right now on the possibility, because right now they're only servicing uh, men ages 13 to 18, and they're not able to service or support women. And so we're in the talks with them right now about hopefully being able to transform several of their buildings and actually transform one of the centers to be able to support women in drug uh, and alcohol rehabilitation. And then also uh, working with them on culinary projects and opportunities, even for jobs at at Torchies where they might not be able to get that, you know, and, and so it's about giving these kids new opportunities. And so uh, right now, I mean, there's so many things that Torchy is doing for its people, but I love that we're reinvesting in our community and the, you know, that not only gives us long-term new team members and giving new opportunity to those that might not think they'd ever have an opportunity with anybody, but also changing lives. And then, you know, that makes customers too, realizing how Torchy's is really ingrained in making our local communities better. And as we spread across the United States, those communities better too. So really proud of those, those things that we're doing. Well, and I mean, the restaurant industry is a great industry for people that are coming out of tough times because it's not like computer programming where you have to go spend, get a four-year engineering degree, right. And, and have the capital and time to do that. This is a, this is a career where you can get a job and get a paycheck two weeks later. And if you're waiting tables, maybe with one week, you know, or if you're in a tip position within maybe one week, you could start actually getting some cash in your pocket and, uh, and you learn your skill set in the industry. Right. So, well, you know, there's an interesting dynamic because in the culinary world, there's a lot of, you know, um, chefs and in different positions that suffer, you know, with drug and alcohol abuse. And so for us to be able to go out there and say like, Hey, not only is it okay to tell us if you work for us that you need help, uh, which we have a program for and we support them and they get to keep their job as long as they let us know what's going on, you know, that's unheard of, but secondarily being able to make a difference in a different way, which is giving opportunity to those that might not have it. And also saying like, we understand this is a common thread in the restaurant business. Let's do something. Let's be better about it. Um, And so I love that like Torchies is out there saying, we're not going to just talk about it, but we're going to do something about it. So there's, you know, a lot to be proud of. And like I said, just even our team members seeing that we're doing that and making a difference. Um, and saying, you know, also it's okay. Like, it's okay for the stigmatism to say like, I've got a problem and I need help. And and knowing that the company you work for is going to be there for you and we're going to invest in you and we're going to be there for you during the tough times. You know, that's not something that every company can say they're doing. So. Yeah. And that's how you keep people, right? That's where they sure. go. This is, this isn't just an hourly, you know, like I, I used to manage. These aren't just tacos. Know. Yeah, exactly. This isn't just. Hey, I'm doing this while I'm in college and I'm going to go get a real job. 
and I've been, this theme has been cropping up a lot recently too. Um, in the podcast is this notion of, uh, with all the interviews that I've been doing is that the restaurant industry has to, we've allowed ourselves to be, Hey, you know, like people will make fun of, Oh, you worked at McDonald's. <laughs> You're a loser right now. You worked in a restaurant that makes a lot of money and you learn processes and procedures and training. And, and our industry is amazing. We're probably one of the best workflow process management industries in the world, but that nobody, no one even thinks of us that way. But if you think about it, like you can break down making, like you literally have the checklist in your business right now to run an entire taco company. You know what I mean? Like, and you've processized, processized every aspect of that position, every position, every person working together simultaneously to then create a product. You know, it's, it, it's the same as the Ford assembly line, except for with less robots. Right. So like we you have, know we, we're a good business and we're a good you know, career choice. I'm sorry. What's, no, I was gonna say what's different. I think special about it is like coming from Walmart target, all these like huge companies that air quote, you know, are extremely yeah large and successful. The thing that's different coming into the restaurant business that I wasn't expecting is, you know, people work so hard, but yeah. they form such deep relationships in the restaurants. And it's lovely because they're not just coworkers. That's why we call them teams because they end up being family. And like some of yeah. these people that we have, you know, we're celebrating our 15th anniversary and we have people that have been here from the very beginning and it's cause they couldn't even think about leaving. And you yeah. know, that is amazing. Like magical. And I yeah. wasn't expecting that. And so it's a really special thing to be a part of. Um, it is because you know, people in this world that we live in aren't always dedicated and focused on each other. And so that's nice to like live in that and for that to be like a real genuine thing. Well, one of the things that I learned when I was managing in the store level was that if you created, and this is, this is where the talent of a manager comes in. Anybody can like take the register tape and write the number in an Excel and, you know, take the deposit to the bank. But when you have, and you, and I'm guarantee you've seen it in your stores as well. You have an amazing manager in a store and they create a culture and then their turnover goes down, their sales go up, their customer satisfaction goes up, you know, and, and the restaurant's humming along. And then you take that manager out of there and you maybe promote the assistant and then, you know, then all hell breaks loose, the whole crew leaves. Because really in the restaurant business, it is creating that culture of appreciation for these yeah. employees that because people are genuinely lazy. So if they're happy, like in the respect that they like coming to work, they have a good crew, their manager appreciates them. They go out and have beers after work at the bar across the parking lot, you know, if they're old enough, whatever to go have a couple of drinks and they hang out and stuff. If you've got that culture going in your restaurant, you will have like such low turnover and, and you'll have such a great experience, but the manager really drives that. And, and also the totally. hiring because you bring in the person that is like negative or contrary or just annoying. They can wreck the restaurant and kill sales. And you know, it's amazing how much damage the wrong person can do in one of these companies because because we are a family because we get off at 11 and there's no one else to hang out with 
So we might as well all go hang out across the street, right? So well, I think people uh, underestimate the like strategic intention that you have to have in hiring the right person, right? Because to your point, if it's only as deep as one person and that one person leaves and everything falls apart, then it wasn't really a culture. It was one person, right? So oh, yeah. we talk we talk a lot about like you know, who is the team around you and how are you supporting them and how are you building them up? And it's wonderful to see that. And that's where that family mentality comes back, right? Because you don't ever leave your family. You don't always get a pick who your family is, right? Hmm. But you don't ever leave your family. And so when you really build that and, and again, and having that strategic t- intention of like, hey, this team to get better needs this next kind of person. Let's look for that kind of person. That's like really when you've taken hiring to the next level and you're, and you're realizing like to make this team stronger, I need this kind of personality or I need this kind of motivator um, because it starts and ends with people. It really does. Yeah, it's interesting because I've never worked for a company that thought that deep into, you know, what's the next, what we need an anchor for this team. So let's go find an anchor like we've never, I've never experienced that. But that's really cool. Yeah, it's lovely. Okay, number three. We see how we're breezing through this thing, Elizabeth. Uh, What is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? God. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is things are changing at such a rapid pace. Um, so even though I think that right now we're doing a good job of that, I think it's this deeper thread of things are changing every day. And so I always tell my team this, like, you know, Hey, what's the next year look like the next three years, the next five years. And I used to joke with them. I'm like, I feel like every message I give is like, things are busier than ever. Right. Um, and the other day I was telling the team, I said, you know, I've got to like really pause that and say, things are always going to be busy. And so the thing that keeps me up at, at night is like, how do you keep the motor running? How do you, with an ever expanding business, like keep the culture deep, keep people flexible and open to change because technology is changing and people are changing and hiring needs are changing and food is changing. And, you know, customers' expectations are changing and the way they want food delivered is changing. And, you know, things are changing every day. And so that keeps me up at night. Um, What I will tell you, though, another thing that I'm proud of, honestly, is this last year, we've engaged um, in this practice or philosophy of change management. So knowing that things are changing all the time, what's interesting from my background is like, from a large box, you know, merchandising side with retail, you know, we always talk about change management. And that really is just this theory of like, if you know, things are always changing, like who are your change agents and, and how do you get in front of change? And how are you more strategic and purposeful? And how do you make something really complex feel simple? Like that's the beauty of really good implementation and change is making something really complex feel simple and something really hard feel easy because You've done a really good, great job of communicating it. You know how every role is going to react to the change. You almost anticipate like who are your people that are going to be like, I hate this and I'm not doing it this <laughs> way. And, and how do you change them into your like champions, right? Sure. That's like a whole, again, strategic intention that's really complex. And what's interesting is in the restaurant business, like people don't know what change management is. They're just like, yeah. yep, it changes. Never heard of work. it. Yeah, we work our ass off and we sweat and 
and we turmoil and we all these things. And I'm like, you know, there's this beautiful thing that we can do, which is like, let's be more simplistic. Let's be prepared, but also know that we have to leave room for things that are going to pop up and how do we react quicker and better and simpler? And, and how do we know how people are going to react? And so this last year, because it was keeping me up at night, we, we started talking about change management. Um, you know, and, and so again, it's just really talking about like, okay, how do we take a project? Like, uh, one of the things this last year we did was we completely changed our HR system. And so we had like all these different systems. We had a recruiting system and we had a payroll system and we had all these different systems and none of them talked to each other. And it was labor intensive for the field and people were in the office too much and all this stuff. And, and there were so many things that we had executed at a poor level that our stores were like, God, they're going to screw this up, you know, and it's going to be more <laughs> complex and they're not going to communicate it well and they're not going to train it well. And, so we're like, okay, if we took this thing, like we really want to make it simple and we want to make it different. Like how do we take the time to do it? And it was kind of this first beautiful thing I felt like this year that we we put out there and people were like, wow, it is as simple as you said it was going to be. And wow, you took the time to train us and you took the time to tell the cashier what it meant to them, but you took the ma- time to take the manager and train them and answer the cashier's questions. And wow, you know, you thought about the the um, the chef in the back and what it meant to them. And, and so it was this first opportunity for us to talk about like change and why we might be doing something different and what it meant to the field and what it meant to the stores. Cause now we talk about it differently is like, we shouldn't be putting anything out there that doesn't make the store's life simpler. And we've got to test things to make sure that the intention really is the actual foregone conclusion. Right. And if it's not, let's fix it. Let's break it. That's, Let's make it right before we we give it to everybody. And so it's certainly something that we're learning and we're not perfect at it, but I'm proud of us for trying something new in a restaurant business. I'm proud of us for, for realizing that our focus is on the stores and our team members and that we should be doing things to simplify their jobs, not making them more difficult. So it keeps me up at night, but I will tell you we're reacting to it and I'm proud of the headway we're making. That's cool. So I, we have a company, we have a, um, a software platform. It's an operations management platform. And, um, and so what we do is we script out the day of the perfect day for the, for the restaurants, right? So the managers yeah. don't have to remember that it's Tuesday and we should be doing hood vents because it's going to show up on Tuesday. Hey, you gotta do hood vents plus all these other things. And, you know, and, uh, but that's one of the things we preach too. And, and it sounds like you're kind of on the same page is, implementing systems, right? Because the thing about like, when you have a good system in place and you get people reliant on the system. So like with training, training is great, but I, I, I struggle with training in the respect of um, because turnover is so high in the restaurant industry, people, the whole way of training was just make people memorize stuff, right? Just pay them yeah. to memorize, but then they leave. And then, you know, you're paying the next guy to spend a week and a half memorizing, you know, this yeah. stuff. Whereas like, if you, you need to be intuitive. Exactly. And, and so the other nice thing about having systems where instead of training someone to go, hey, memorize how to make the Wrangler taco, which is my favorite taco from you guys, by the way. Um, but like, uh, instead of training someone to memorize how to make the Wrangler taco, let's get them a job aid that shows them how to make the Wrangler taco and then over and teach them how to use the job aid um, where and have the job aids everywhere, right? And then with the idea that, 
okay, you'll learn how to make, you'll memorize how to make the regular taco when you made a hundred of them. But for now, I want to teach you how to use this system that you're going to use. And we preach that a lot too, because with our system, you know, if you have to change something, maybe like COVID related or some HR law related, whatever, you know, you can just change the process. And then if the person understands how to, how to execute the process, then the change isn't as hard to handle. So it actually makes it easier on the end employee and it makes it easier on the people in your function as well, because you're not having to go out and build an entire training deck and get everybody in on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. to drink, you know, to eat donuts and do this big class. You can simply go just follow the process on the system and it will guide you through what you need to do. And if you, you know, and then you can make a quick little video and pop it out there and say, hey, or whatever, a one sheet. So I I love to hear that because most restaurant chains and and granted, you guys are very successful, right? So I've worked at successful restaurant chains and I've worked at not successful restaurant chains. And when you're very successful and money's rolling in, it's, you tend to get a very professionally run organization. And when all hell's breaking loose and there's (laughs) no money coming in, then you tend to get like a, you, you know, you're like just, the guy in a fire knobbing grenades out going, hopefully I, I killed the guy who's trying to kill me because you know, we're all over the place. Yeah. So, but it's wonderful to see that you guys are doing that because as the restaurant industry does stuff like that, it will bring in a, a higher caliber employee. And then they'll start to totally. expect that from their bosses. And as they move to their next roles, as you know, cause we all jump around, uh, you know, they will hopefully bring some of that culture to their next job. And we'll get a calmer, more predictable restaurant industry that's more capable of handling the rush and just working a real job with a real and having a real life, you know. So that's exciting stuff. Um, okay, I'm going to question number four. Uh, okay. What is the one thing that you thought the industry would be doing that it isn't right now? Well, you know, I, I feel like I kind of answered this already going back to that change management idea. I got ahead yep. of myself a little bit. Um, you know, I think the other thing is just this idea of making things simpler, right? So, yeah. and getting back to the basics. Um, I think restaurants right now, we tend to say again, like we bust our ass and the job is hard and the job's harder than ever. And I'll tell you, you know, like our menu is complicated because we make everything from scratch. It's fresh. It comes in, you know, we're truly making the food. Um, We have all these different tacos with funny and interesting names and interesting flavor profiles. We have a taco of the month that rotates and a drink of the month that rotates. And so our menu is very complex. I think the thing that surprises me almost kind of back to what you said was this idea of like, you know, simplistically making training easier. It doesn't matter if it's a guy that's been there 15 years or a guy that's been there a week. One of the things we did this last year is I would go out and visit stores and there was like no visual guides to like how to make a taco. And I remember saying like, can somebody show me how to make, you know, the trailer park taco? And it's like, how do you guys remember all these different tacos? And, and so my training team was like, well, they memorize it exactly what you said. Like, and you know, and I'm like, well, how many weeks does that take? And they're like, well, they got three days. And I'm like, you know, to be honest, like how the hell does somebody remember all this stuff in three days? I'm like, how do we even know the tacos taste right? Or we're portioning them right. And all these things. And, 
And so, you know, now I go out and visit stores and we have something called sidekicks. And so you go to the line and literally like you open up and, and every taco's there and it shows like right. one, not only every ingredient that's in every taco, but exactly how it's layered and the portions. We know that sounds simplistic, but that goes back to the thing I was talking, telling you about earlier, which is like, the beauty of it is like, that is like, you know, two years in the making, Tommy, like there was nothing yeah. simple about these sidekicks, right? Yeah. But if the result is we're training people quicker than ever, and, and those sorts of things, it's like, why is every restaurant not doing that? And so like, I do think the restaurant business and eat, you know, is complex and, and our menu will always be complex. We're yeah. doing the good thing if we can make things simpler. And so that surprises me a little bit that like, there aren't more restaurant companies out there saying like, how do we make things better and simpler and quicker and faster? Cause that's the world we live in. And so sometimes I wonder too, like if there's hiring opportunities, cause people here are like, yes, torches, you're going to, you know, bust your ass and you're going to work hard, but Hey, it's a damn good place to work. And the people are real and the food's amazing. And the trainings, you know, hip and cool and easy and they're always coming up with new things like that's what people talk about or well, there might be another chain and they're like god it's just hard like there's 13 sandwiches on you know to make and i don't remember and then there's no guides and I, they expect me to memorize all this stuff like people get sick of that too so i'm a little bit shocked at the lack of momentum towards focus of simplicity on our team member well and i always make a joke that you know minus the POS system that the restaurant industry is the same since when Jesus ate in restaurants, right? Like it, it truly has it morphed. You know, you store food in different places. Like they used to dig a hole and put salt on everything. But now, you know, we have a refrigerator, but like, and we still put salt on everything because salt's amazing. But, yeah. uh, you know, but it is really the same and, and it has been incredibly resistant to change and COVID probably has done more to accelerate restaurant change. Very true. In a short period of time than anything prior to that. Um, but like with, especially too, and what would be interesting to see, and you guys should just do the analysis on this because I would love to hear it, but I bet you since those sidekicks went in place, I would make two guesses. One, your food costs have stabilized some amount. And number two, uh, that you're probably seeing better customer satisfaction numbers because there's nothing like when, you know, the recipes are made for a reason. One, they're made to be costed out so that the, the, the restaurant's profitable. But two, there's just so much of like, I don't need a quart of ranch on this taco, you know, or whatever exactly. it is. Like I just needed the one ounce container that it was supposed to come with because that's the right amount for the chicken tender of that yeah. size, right? Yeah. Or whatever. Yep. So I bet you guys, if you looked into that, I would guess that you would see those two ancillary or unintended consequences, or maybe they were intended, uh, but well, in, you know, uh, con I, consequences of that. I do. So one, our food costs are leveling out and better than ever. And number two, yeah. you know, what I think we're hearing, you know, as these have been out and, you know, I think it's a lot of different things aside from the sidekicks though, is consistency of food. Right. So like yeah. if I go down the road between two stores, does the same taco taste the same? And, you know, you're going to have that at any restaurant industry. There's a little yeah. bit of difference, but, but I think that helps with it too, is just this consistency. And as we're growing so fast, that's something that you have to hold, try to hold on to. Right. Um, well, absolutely. I mean, a brand is a promise of consistency, whatever the company says their brand is, right? Whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. But what, what they say is, 
is, you know, I'm X, Y, and Z, right? But ultimately, the true measure of a brand is that X, Y, and Z is delivered consistently everywhere you go. A Coke always tastes the same. Big Macs are always the same, right? And that's always been my big complaint with Chipotle is that if you went and bought the exact same burrito at five Chipotle's and brought them back to the office and weighed them, there would be a pound of difference between the lowest burrito and the highest burrito. And sometimes you go, well, that's not so bad. Who cares? Well, if you're like trying to lose weight, right, then you actually do care. If you're trying to maintain like a diet, like you don't want a 10,000 calorie burrito and an 800 calorie burrito. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what Well, first want. thing, Tommy, I'm yeah. going to tell you, you should be eating at Torchies more than our competitor. Oh, <laughs> well, no, I've been the most, I, I've been so critical at Chipotle. Holy hell. I have a story I can tell you. We, when we get off the air, I'll tell you some stories. But okay. like, uh, because, uh, but I just got to yeah, give you a little grief, you oh, know. Absolutely. No, we, so since door, we had the DoorDash pass, right? And we moved further away from the torches. So now we're like eight minutes away versus we used to be like five minutes away. But we've been DoorDashing it, uh, you know, all through the pandemic, like all the time. It's been wonderful. We'll have, and did you download our new app? We no. Have new app I I'll check it out. That. Yeah. Making it easier okay. than ever. Nice. Um, and like that, and also I was talking about resilience just during COVID, you guys set up a tent in the parking lot of the one in I area and you had all the to-go's outside. So you could literally just pull in and there was a POS out there too, which I thought was cool that you guys yeah. ran an ethernet cable out there. I thought that was a good use case. You know, they that did a good job on that. You know, I think that was a proud moment for Torchies because uh, I mean, as we all know, like things changed overnight and we had to get really creative. And so, yeah, like we put the tents up and, and we just started serving customers from the cars and, you know, we were doing that and completely changing the way people pick up food and doing our family packs, which, you know, feeds a family of four to six for $30. And we were the, one of the first ones that did the at-home margarita kits. Cause let's be honest, we we're all at home with our kids yeah. and wanted to start drinking. And, you know, so we were smart about those things early on. And I think now we're really adapting the way that we look at it moving forward is that people want more offerings and easier ways. And so, like, how do we continue to adjust that in, in these current COVID times and three months from now, six months from now, a year from now? So you'll, you'll see that, you know, we're, we're always going to be testing different things and trying new things and getting our customers in different ways. Oh, absolutely. So I will say... Uh, you guys, you, sh I don't know if there's a lot out there about this, but you know, you guys feel like you're on a very similar track to Chipotle when they were small and young. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I talked to some people who work at Chipotle uh, on the podcast, as a matter of fact. And the one thing that you, you, you know, they were the same exact as you guys are in the respect of when they were small, when McDonald's had invested in them before they hit it really like 500 stores. So like, let's say two to 500, right, where they were growing, but they were hiring from in. It was all culture-based, you know. But then at some point, they're, either they got investments or they, they, they get their growth took off to a point where they could no longer hire from within. And that culture got very diluted. And that, I believe, led to their food safety issues um, that they had, you know, in 2015 or whatever. So, yep. you know, just uh, study that because uh, – when you have such a strong culture, one of because you've said it several times, we're opening. It feels like we're opening a store every day. Um, you know, just that's going to be, I think, something that'll be on your shoulders as the chief people officer to really, how do we keep the culture 
um, intact when growth starts to outpace our ability to move people up from within. Um, yeah, it, I think it, it's a crazy it, thing. It, you know, it's probably, it's another thing that keeps me up at night. I think right now, you know, we have conversations about this all the time, which is like, you know, balancing and making sure that every store has new and old. And if they don't have some old, who are they talking to? Who's their mentor? I think it's also about like communicating the stories and, and it goes back to hiring the right people. Cause I also think some of our best people right now are still Torchy's people, but they weren't necessarily sure. here for 15 years. And it's about yeah. finding the right person. So I think what's nice too, is like in a time with when COVID, when we honestly could have really lost ourselves and, you know, sure. we could have um, put a lot of people out of jobs. You know, we made a, an early decision that we were going to try to bring people back as quickly as we could. And we did. We kept that commitment. The people that we put on temporary furlough, leave yeah. or furlough, we called them every week and, and we almost got everyone back. We also made, you know, choices that we didn't get rid of the people that had been here for a long time to keep the culture. And, and even those newer people like saying, Hey, I just started with COVID and you could have let me go and you did not And now I will never leave this company. Like it was when we made smart decisions about our people and one of the hardest times and that will stick with us. And I think if we continue to make those kind of decisions around our people, you know, hopefully we are the difference to that competitor um, because we're making about, choices about our people, not about just our growth and the numbers, because the numbers and the growth happens because of the people. So it's just keeping that always relevant of mind. Oh, absolutely. Okay, Elizabeth, we're coming up to the last question. It's the okay. war story question. Doesn't have to be from Torchies and you don't have to mention a specific company, you know, whatever. But I want something that's gritty, that uh, makes me cringe or makes me laugh or preferably both. <laughs> Well, so I have thought about this and there's lots of stories I could tell you, um, but I think I've chosen one. So it was at a previous company I worked for, not the current one. Um, and why I want to tell you is it was kind of a defining moment for me. So like, you know, I kind of told you this whole story about like, I wasn't sure I wanted to interview and all that. Well, sure. as I was like going kind of through the interview process, um, in my current role at the time, I was working on a really big project and it was to redefine the values of that old company and how to like make people present and talk about what we value in a different new way for a company that's been around for a long time. Sure. Um, and it was a big task and it was a little daunting and a little scary, but I, I knew I was up for the task. And, and so I start drafting this and I start saying like, what if we talk about it this way? And what if we talk about our values, this, and, so I get it to a pretty good point and, you know, I'm working around the clock and, and I'm told like, Hey, you know, um, everyone all the way up to the CEO is loving this enough that we want to present it at the holiday meeting, which at the time was this field meeting and they bring everybody in for Christmas and basically say like, here's the theme of Christmas for stores. And here's what the marketing is going to look like. And here's what you're selling. And it was this big meeting. We always would fly every, all these hundreds of managers in, um, to some big city. Right. So the next task was like, okay, it's officially a topic. We're going to talk about our values in a new way and it's your work. And so now we need you to come up with what it's, what's the presentation on, on this huge stage going to look like. And you're talking to, you know, thousands of people, by the way, Elizabeth. So how are you going to talk about it? And, 
And then it kind of evolved to this, like, if I'm being honest, like very cheesy, like we've decided we want to do a circus theme. We're doing a circus uh. theme. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> so you want me to preview values, but in a circus theme? I mean, like uh. to me, like, that's just like, oh, it's icky. It's not real. You know what I mean? Like, sure. how do you take the heritage of a company and, and come up with new words. Now let's like add a circus theme on top of that. Um, and so I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know about how I feel about this, but okay. So I'm, we're still like trying to figure this whole thing out. And the next freaking thing I know, like, you know, they're trying to like figure out like, you know, can we get an elephant? Should we wear top hats? <laughs> like all this just like ingenuine crap. Yeah. Um, and just like this, now it wasn't like, let's talk about our values and let's get people to identify them. It's like, let's put on a theatrical per show. show. I'm like, hey, I mean, crap, if we're getting elephants, let's get monkeys too, you know? Like, where does it end? Let's have popcorn. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, let's have popcorn. And so just like it spun into this whole thing. So I remember, I'll never forget this because it actually like helped propel my decision, honestly, to leave. But um, so I get pulled into my EVP's office and he was like, Hey, I just want to tell you, like, we really value the work that you've done and, and we love what you've done. Um, and we're so appreciative, but we're, we're not going to let you present it on stage. I'm like, okay. I'm like, may I ask why? And they're like, well, we've picked one of your peers. Um, because, you know, she's been on a stage this large before and she's funnier than you. And we think she fits the right part of the circus thing and she'll look better in the uniform, um, the circus outfit. And, <laughs> and so isn't that against the law to say that, by the way, as an HR person? Wouldn't that totally. literally be against the law to I mean, say that the, you the look better in the circus costume than she'll look better? The okay. irony is like, you know, I'm on the air quote people team being told that like some, my peers going to take credit for my work on the stage. Cause they've never seen me present before on a large stage. And you know, like what I'll tell you is like, I left that moment like in shock and, and it's, to me, it's a cringeworthy thing because it's like, you literally told me that one of my peers is going to be funnier than me and look better in the, in a costume. Um, and, and gets to take credit for my work because you don't think I can deliver is how I took it, you know? Sure. And in a time where like, I needed someone to say great work and, you know, yes, it's like, they didn't even fly me out there from to even like watch my peer present my work. Like I wasn't even allowed to go to the meeting. Um, and so, you know, not only is it cringeworthy, but I'll tell you, like, in some ways it was like a hidden blessing. Cause like, I literally remember leaving that meeting thinking, I never want to make somebody feel that way. I never want to. I never want to, whatever job I'm doing, it doesn't even have to be with the cheap people officer. Like if I was over the cleaning crew, you know, at the local McDonald's, yeah. like I would never want somebody to feel like the work they're doing is less than somebody else's work or it's not good enough. Um, or, hey, I'm going to let you know, Joe Schmo over here, take credit for your, your cleaner toilet. Right. Um, and so it's like, you know, it was defining for me. Cause I'm like, wow, I never want to forget 
how this person made me feel because I never want anybody to ever feel this way. One, that I made them feel this way or that I've let anyone even else in the company make them feel this way. Um, And so in a lot of ways, like, you know, I take that moment and I think like it guides me to like, again, like make sure that it doesn't really matter what the question is. Like love is always the answer and it starts and ends with people. And at the end of the day, it's really about how we've made people feel. That's the lasting impression that we give. So that's my story, Tommy. Wow. Well, you had a, quite a lawsuit on your hands and that's a very large company. So you, you really did botch it on that deal because you could have probably gotten a couple million dollars out of that deal. But uh, that is a good story. I can't believe that that person said that. And honestly, like the fact that no, and this is, this is what drives me crazy about big companies too, is just in general that nobody, like someone threw out, someone I would assume high up throughout circus theme and nobody challenged them effectively to the point of you're releasing your new values, which weren't circus based, I would assume, on, uh, you know, on a circus themed evening just doesn't feel right. And, and I will say this too, because I worked at BF Chang's and BF Chang's had this amazingly strong culture and great training. And this is back when BF Chang's was hot, like early 2000s. But we had like a, we had an operating partner at one of the restaurants I worked at that like was stealing and doing all these horrible things. And so I really do kind of cringe on cultural training. And I also think it's a waste of money to spend time culturally training people when cultural training is best applied when the in management real team lives the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. You could, you could tell me all day long that this is a great place that respects women and then have the woman who wrote that be told that she's not going to look proper in the proper circus costume, you know, like that's not like, you know what I mean? That's not culture. And so, you know, I always, I always like argued to also say, Hey, don't include cultural training in initial um, cultural training should not be delivered at the beginning of like new hire training because a, it takes a lot of time and B if the restaurant team isn't living up to it, then it makes you go, this is bull. And then everything else is bull. Cultural training should be delivered out of shift meetings is my opinion, but that's just me. Um, yeah. But wow. That, that was a great story. Thank you. <laughs> it's a good, a cringe worthy learning moment is what I would call that. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, if, if everything happens for a reason, right. And you use okay. that to propel yourself, to be open-minded, to go to Torchies. And now you're so much happier there. So you know, at the end of the day, it worked out, right? Um, for sure. Okay. Well, that's it. Elizabeth, we've done the show. Is there anything well, you want to plug? Well, obviously go eat at Torchy's Tacos. If you haven't had a taco, you you definitely need to eat one. And, and our amazing queso as well. And our handshake and margaritas. Um, but what I'll tell you is our food speaks for, ourself, for itself. It's damn good. And, and Tommy, I really appreciate you letting me on. I had a good time. So thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, to all the listeners out there, we are keeping the interviews coming. Thank you guys so much for supporting the, the podcast. And Elizabeth, have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you.